L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Join us for Choose Your Own Adventure Team Quest, a game where teams of adventurers navigate through a classic choose-your-path-to-adventure story with the goal of winning prizes from locally-owned businesses in the Cedar Rapids-Iowa City Corridor. Each episode is fun, new, and exciting. Listen to the story and then see if you would make the same decisions as our teams. Will our teams travel to the tops of the Himalayas as they search for the exclusive Yeti? Will they dive to the bottom of the ocean to search for the lost city of Atlantis? Or will they travel through space and time as they explore distant planets and discover new forms of life? Which team will be your favorite? Will they enter the glorious hallways of the Adventurers Hall of Fame by winning the season championship? Choose Your Own Adventure Team Quest is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. New episodes release every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For bonus episodes of this show, ad-free versions of all LAS podcasts, and many other exclusive benefits, consider subscribing to LAS Plus for just $10 a month. To learn more and to get started, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com slash plus. So come and join us for an adventure. And always remember, the choice is yours. L-A-S What is up everybody? Welcome back to A Load of BS. My name is James. With me as always is Sarah. Sarah, how are you? I'm well. How's it going, James? Oh, going well, going well. Um... This is a load of BS, the podcast where we talk about all things brand strategy. Our podcast is brought to you by LASPodcastNetwork.com. Definitely check them out. Also throw a slash plus at the end of that if you want to check out some exclusive content like ad-free podcasts and bonus episodes. Sarah. What's up? Apple Podcasts. You on Apple Podcasts? I am. Are you, uh, are you leaving a five-star review for our podcast right now? At this moment? Yeah, like right now. Are you doing that? I'd be lying if I said yes. If you're listening, you can be better than Sarah by going sure. to Apple Podcasts right now Doesn't and leaving us much. a five-star review. Just do it. Everybody wants to be better than Sarah. That's the goal. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did we get all that out of the way? What are we I talking think, about today? Um. Well, we are talking about types of brand names. Ooh. So this is coming at you from an awesome book by author Alina Wheeler. Um, and in the book, it's well. The book is actually called "Designing Brand Identity," hmm. and That's this identifies thing. six major categories of brand names that we'll go over today, and kind of the bigger thought process on naming your brand. And we we spoke a little bit last on the last episode, James, about like names like Google mm-hmm. and just names that no GoDaddy like they they don't <laughs> hold any specific meaning. Except they do mm-hmm. um, because of the quality of the service and and um, everything behind those names. 
Um, one actually category. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Today. I'm going gonna, gonna to try that sentence again. One <laughs> category that is being added to this from what's what's the brand guy's name that you really like? What's his name? Oh, there's several. Uh, Marty Neumeyer, Chris Doe. You're probably thinking of Fabian Geierhalter. There you go. So in his white paper, he actually added a, another category outside of the six categories offered by Alina Wheeler and her book, and that category is numeric names. Hmm. So What's we're a numeric talk, name? Like 409. Okay. She's real fine, my. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I was getting my Beyonce on, guys. It wasn't great. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> Um, so we're going to talk about the categories today and, um, those big categories just off the bat, um, founder, descriptive, fabricated, metaphor, acronym, creative spelling. And again, that one added by Fabian, which is numeric. And James is just going to take this away with the talk about (laughs) the founder name. (laughs) The founder name. Yeah. So we've got a few founder names. That are given an example, like Johnson & Johnson. Okay. Uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm-hmm. I wonder um, who runs that. I have no idea. Um, not not even a little bit, not specifically. I <laughs> Definitely have no not idea. a Bill or a Melinda. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, and kind of the pros and cons of each category and why you may decide to go with this type of name. So, like I said, James is going to take away the founder stuff, mostly because I have a cream soda sitting right here, and I'd like to take a drink. <laughs> that, that's legit. I have a 7-Up, which is like, uh, I had a Dr. Pepper in the last episode. Ugh. Don't, the, ugh. You're a bad It's person. like Texas's cherry cola. <laughs> Ew. Back it's up. even worse. Back up. <laughs> All right. I'll stop. I'll fight you I'll stop about some Dr. On Pepper. Soda brands here. <laughs> <laughs> founder names. Man, I, I feel like. I I honestly am not sure I know how I feel about it. I'm trying to, I'm I'm trying yeah. to think of those specific examples. Johnson and Johnson, to me that kind of works because it just audibly sounds kind of neat. It's the word you know it's two Johnsons. Johnson and Johnson. It's easy to say. It's easy to remember. Um, bit of a bit of a sausage fest there, <laughs> if I'm being <laughs> <That's> honest. <terrible>. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, we you were, were thinking th- it. I'm, I just said oh, it. Man. Um, <laughs> but the Bill and Melinda Foundation. I would never name a foundation after myself. I think it would sound super swank if you and your wife named a foundation after yourself. James so and Kari Foundation, yeah. James and Kari Welbus Foundation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, Bill Gates is one of the most famous people in the entire world. So throwing his name, you know, in the name of the foundation probably helps. Um, it's not necessarily coming from a place of arrogance or ego. It could have just been a strategic, you know, we're freaking Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. Everybody knows who we are. Mm-hmm. We want to create this foundation to do a thing. So let's slap our names on it. And I guess it works if everybody already knows who you are right. and you've become famous in some sort of other arena. Yep. Like nobody would care about a James and Kari Wilbus Foundation because nobody knows who we are. So if we were going to start some sort of nonprofit you know, we would have to probably be a little more creative with the name. Um, but, you know, maybe when you're as famous as Bill Gates, it, it works. Yeah, or whoever Johnson is. Or whoever, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because that's like literally nobody knows who they are. And Procter & Gamble is the same. Yeah. Ginormous company, obviously very successful. You made fun of Hewlett-Packard last time. Hewlett-Packard, <laughs> yep. Dell. Um, 
you know, they're... Dude, you're getting Adele. Do you remember those commercials? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Loved those commercials. Dude, you're getting Adele. Um, Not to be confused with Adele. Yes. Who is a... And I said, oh. Now she's getting her Adele on. <laughs> That's right. I'll keep doing it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. To me, it feels it feels kind of lazy when your business name is, is just like the last names of the founders. I don't know. Um. Like I said, I think if you have somehow made a name for yourself in mm-hmm. another arena, it makes sense because it then becomes recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but like, I've always found it a little, I'm, I'm about to get biblical here. <laughs> I've always found it a little weird when people try to build towers or names unto their, themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like usually they end up falling flat. Yeah. It does just feel weird to me. Like it's, I don't know, maybe it's just because I don't, I don't have any problems with my last name, but I recognize that it's just not like a great, like Welbus is, it, it wouldn't make a good business name. Other people's names, Procter and Gamble, you know, that works, obviously. It sounds like a doctor's office. Too. It does. A proctologist. Yes. Um, maybe that's a little weird. And you don't want to be gambling when you go Speaking to the proctologist which, do I have to remind you about a colonoscopy? Just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> not Gross. that old yet. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, if if you, if the question is you know should you or shouldn't you obviously people have done both and been very successful right like we mentioned Procter and Gamble very successful company Hewlett Packard all these you know it's very successful and then and I think it also has something to do with the culture and the time that we're in yeah um, because they're you know a hundred years ago when I I actually have no idea how long Johnson and Johnson has been around but some of these uh, companies have been around for a decent amount of time maybe fifty years or so mm-hmm. um and you know, at that point in history, it was necessary. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a credible company to name, it, it wasn't so much about the brand as much as people just identifying what the heck you are. Yeah. <laughs> so. it's, it's probably also worth noting that nobody knows what Procter & Gamble is. Johnson & Johnson, by the way, sorry to interrupt, 1886. Okay. All so, right. yeah, I was right. It's, it's been a while. It was like 100 years, the year I was born. Wow. The year... <laughs> The year I was born, it was a hundred years old. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I think it's worth mentioning that you know, like Procter and Gamble, that a lot of people don't even know what that is. It's a giant company that owns like a hundred other brands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, if you go through your house and you just look at your paper towels, your toilet paper, your toothpaste, your glass a, cleaner, yep, like a large percentage of those products yeah. are probably from. Procter, Procter and Gamble. Gamble. Yeah, and I think don't we have like a location or a manufacturing plant? We do. I actually I worked there. Yeah, in yeah. Iowa City. There's yeah. two locations in Iowa City because they bought Gillette, and so that became a Procter and Gamble facility. It's the takeover. Yeah, I think it was Gillette. Don't quote me on that. Maybe it was. Who cares? So <laughs> what we understand about the names that people when they name the company after themselves, it it literally says a pro of this is that is associated with legacy. Um, and, um, if the, it actually does say this, so uh, like, I didn't even read this before, but it says if, um, you know, the brand is already familiar with the founder, mm-hmm. like if, if the following is already familiar with the founder, um, people will have an instant following. Um, so very smart to name after yourself. If you've had levels of success in another arena, um, mm-hmm. because people will begin to recognize your name. Um, it's, that's difficult for me to 
rectify with like personal brand mm-hmm. because we're we're kind of all over the spectrum with talking about brand and I do believe personal branding is important but there's um it's very different I guess when you're naming oh, yeah. a big company <laughs> like, well, and, it, and you see it in sports you know um Michael Jordan has a shoe you know Nike Nike produce it it's from Nike but they're called and they're Jordans. Air Jordans <laughs> yeah. right and so that's a, just a great example. That would mean nothing. Nobody would buy Air Jordans if Michael Jordan hadn't been really good at basketball, right? So I he mean, he made a name for himself. Everybody knew who Michael Jordan was. So then at that point, it made sense. Yeah, let's make a shoe yeah. and well, call it Air Jordan. Jordan wasn't there, then maybe there would have been Air Pippins. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Rude. Sorry. <laughs> I like Pippin, but I don't know if... I don't know if I'd buy an Air Pippin shoe. I mean, wasn't he great with like being a good teammate? He though? was he, absolutely. He was he was really good at making. I watched Jordan the last dance, better. guys. Please don't let me fool you. I paid no attention to basketball in the '90s. We didn't have cable. I lived in the oh. hood. <laughs> so. Yeah, and there's other there's other examples um, of people who've made their own shoe or whatever because they got popular. But like they like like you said, they had to get popular first. Well, they had to be great at something first, yeah. and. You know, I, I'm actually considering doing like a series of blog posts on this about not shortcutting your proving ground. And there are so many examples throughout history of people who have actually gone through a stage or what I would consider like a proving ground and not shortcut that for the sake of getting popular faster, I guess. Yeah. Um, and as a result, the product or the example that they provided was more like people could sink their teeth into it. Um, and so it wasn't like a light snack. It was a whole meal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when you hear things like Michael Jordan shooting 100 free throw shots after every practice, and yeah, now we turn the timer on. I have no, lo- uh, no idea how long it's been, James. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> James is controlling the timer, I folks. Have one job. One, one job, job. <laughs> two. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's been, that's an interesting topic because these people took the time to become great in one arena and parlayed that into other arenas um and in in our instant popcorn kind of world or our microwave kind of society i uh, i've had this distinct interesting way of being able to observe and not really in a place to be like, man, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be so great myself. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I truly don't. I'm going to just be me. And if greatness comes along the way, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's if the greatness is good enough, I'll make a shoe. Yeah. And name it the Sarah. Air except Sarah's. nobody will buy it because <laughs> I can't jump. <laughs> I have a bad knee, folks. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they've gone through a proving ground. That proving ground is what proved their greatness because there was adversity in the proving ground and they overcame and then they parlayed that into other successes, um, which I think is super important. But I think that is something that qualifies somebody to be able to use that founder kind of name. Yeah. You might disagree with me. That's okay. Let me know in the comments. (laughs) So so the next next, um, name type is descriptive. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Um, so the definition here, it says some brand names evoke precisely what they do in the cases of Match.com, Kickstarter, YouTube, and Petco. Do you want to expand on that, James, so I can take yeah. another drink? <laughs> Absolutely. Enjoy your cream soda. Yes. I think we talked about this a little bit last uh, week, two weeks ago, um, about how some some business names kind of tell you what 
they do or at least what industry they're in and others are seemingly random. Um, and again, there's there, the thing about this whole topic of naming your business. I mean, there's so many examples of people being successful doing it either way. So, you know, we're not, we're not here trying to tell you this is what you have to do to be successful. We're just here trying to get you to think about, you know, all the possibilities. Um, so yeah, Petco, I mean, you look at that and you're just like, Oh, pets, they, they, they probably sell pet toys and pet food. And, and maybe they even, you can adopt an actual animal from them. It's pretty clear what they, what they do right off the bat. And I think there's definitely value in that. You know, um, it's obviously not required. There's a billion businesses out there whose names are, are, are pretty random, but um, I think there's definitely value. And if you can um, sort of tell a, a little bit of a story with, with one or two words in a business name, I think there's value in that. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, just really making it very clear what your purpose is for being there. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think that pretty much disco- uh, discovers. <laughs> covers covers the uh, descriptive name um moving on to the fabricated name or the kind of made oh, up yep the name. go daddy <laughs> the reebok what is the reebok can you tell the one that james has the biggest problem with <laughs> so they have um as strong examples like xerox mm-hmm. kleenex apparently a lot of words with x in it there's the inbox spell backwards is that zobni Inbox spelled backwards. It's it's literally inbox spelled backwards, which right. I want to say it's Zobni, but I have no yeah, idea how to pronounce that. That's how I would that. say it. Um, and I would also, Zobni to me sounds like a type of sweater. <laughs> I'm going to put on my Zobni. It's, it's, I mean, it's better than a thneed. A thneed. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Dr. Seuss fan. It's <laughs> um, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean... Fabricated name, to me, I feel like there's probably a story behind most of them that we just don't know. I mean, otherwise, like, how do you, you know, inbox spelled backwards, does that have to, anything to do with, like, email? Like, what is that? I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's not readily apparent. I'm assuming email yeah. because it's inbox yeah. spelled backwards. Kleenex has the word, even though it's horribly misspelled it has the word clean in it and i guess that's you know you use kleenex to clean your nose yeah so maybe there's and that's actually become synonymous with like people don't really say hand me a tissue because that's gross every tissue is a kleenex give me a kleenex no matter the brand is kleenex a procter and gamble brand i I have no idea this could show the power of brand (laughs) (laughs) um and then xerox i mean i guess back in the day like now we kind of say just give me a copy of that but somebody uh, probably 20 years ago would say Xerox it for oh, yeah. me. That was a verb for a while or, mm-hmm. and maybe a noun. Give me now a they Xerox have like this. really fancy Canon printers and stuff like that. Yep. <laughs> Saying like, can you Canon that for me? Can you Canon <laughs> Sounds that? borderline violent. Can you so. HP this for me? <laughs> oh, we don't have the HP printer anymore. Oh, um, can you Canon it? Oh, well, we don't actually use paper anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we just send everything via email. <laughs> That's, I think there's a Through risk. Zobny. <laughs> Through Zobny. <laughs> Especially, that's the worst one on the list. Like, because we talked about this again a couple weeks ago. Like, the the first thing on the list of of the eight characteristics of a good brand name was that it was um, basically simple, easy to remember, easy to pronounce, read, spell, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's the risk when you're making up a word 
you know, you run the risk that people won't be able to remember it because it's literally a made up word. I mean, nobody knew what, what a Kleenex was. No one knows what a Zobni is. <laughs> At least Kleenex. I hope we're not saying that wrong. <laughs> I'm sure we are. But if we are, it's not our fault. I mean, it's their fault for making this weird ass name, <laughs> Zobni. So, yeah, that's it's just risky. Obviously, again, it works. Kleenex is very popular. Xerox very popular. It can work. But I think it's a risk when you're making up. Or um, like an animal. A Zobni sounds like an African animal. For sure. Or something from Australia that could kill you with one touch. <laughs> but it's Cracky, it's a, it's a wild Zobni. But it's as cute as can be. Because that's right? everything in Australia. You snuggle it and then you yeah. die. Yeah, and then you die. <laughs> I think a good example of, of this. Um, the, so... I own a co-working space. I've mentioned this. Right now, it's called the Space Co-working. But um, in the beginning, it was actually founded by somebody else, um, and it was called Yoimono, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which is Japanese, and it's loosely translated. It means good stuff or good things. And um, really cool idea. The, the The whole idea behind it was when creative people get together, good stuff happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole aesthetic of the space was... Um, you know, I had a, a was influenced heavily by Japanese culture. It was really cool. Problem, though, was that nobody ever said the name right. Nobody could ever remember it. Uh, he brought me on as a partner a few months after he started it, and I had so many conversations with people and, where this happened, where they couldn't say it right. And they'd be like, hey, man, how's Yoi um, Moto, Yomato? Uh, and I'm <laughs> like, it's Yoi Moto. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that going? And so, um, you know, long story short, the original founder ended up stepping away. And so I had a choice, you know, shut this down, keep it going, um, keep the same brand if I decide to keep going or rebrand. Um, and because of this issue where people, um, you know, were constantly saying it wrong and just couldn't remember how to say it, um, I decided to, to go ahead and rebrand. And um, so we call it the space because that's what we always called it anyways, you know, Be like, hey, you know, you're going to be at the space later today? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll see Yeah, I'll see at the space later. Um, and so that, so we decided to go with that. But that was just a good example of, um, technically, it's, I guess, I don't know if you would consider it made up. It's just a, a word in a different language, which mm-hmm. to, to English speakers, a Japanese word may as well be fabricated or made up. Yeah, we're English speakers in the Midwest. Right. You know. Um, so yeah, and and that was hard because it was really cool. It was a cool idea, but it just wasn't working as a name. Yeah. So yeah, that's that is hard too because I loved being a part of Yoimono, but the space is actually easier for me to say. <laughs> so. Yep. Um. So okay, next name type, metaphor. Mm. Um. Now the description of this is describe the nature of the company through reference to people, places or things or foreign words, actually. Oh, <laughs> I should have waited and told my story now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the brand that they used to reference this is like Puma. Mm-hmm. Um, so metaphorical names, I mean. I like that because Puma is a real thing, right? It's a really fast animal. And they sell athletic clothing, I think primarily shoes for primarily soccer players. So to me I like that. I think that I think that just makes sense. I think it makes more sense to me than Adidas, which I believe is a fabricated word, but maybe it means something in another language. I don't know. Um or, we gotta fact check these things before know, we come right? on these. 
um, or Nike or Reebok, like a lot of these other seemingly made up words. Um, I, I think Puma, I think Puma works. It's just like, it's kind of like that subliminal messaging. Hey, if you wear our shoes, you're going to be as fast as a freaking Puma, even though obviously you won't. So it does communicate something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's telling a story, which is one of the things on, on our list a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So the next type is an interesting one. It's the acronym. Mm. Yeah. And I guess, if what was it, late 90s, early 2000s? If you had America Online, you know the acronym mm. AOL. If you had American Online um, Instant Messenger, so AIM, you know what the acronym is. Yep. So pros and cons, James. What do Which we think? Is, that's such a funny one because um, AIM is an acronym that includes... The, biz, the the parent company's name in it. It also spells a word. And so, you know, people said AOL. They said each letter individually, but nobody said AIM. They always said AIM. So I think that kind of worked and is probably intentional. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of other examples of, of acronyms. But, um, I guess Hewlett-Packard is... We all we all call it HP. Mm-hmm. No one calls that it stands Hewlett for Hewlett Packard. Yeah, no one says that. Because um, when I think Packard, I think of like a station wagon. I think of a terrible football team. <laughs> that is, no. <laughs> I just we just lost some some listeners there. Sorry. <laughs> We're very divisive on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, if you're not offended yet, stick around. I just <laughs> you noticed your shirt. You're wearing a Geico shirt. That stands for Government Enlisted Insurance Company. Is it? That's an acronym, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I'm wearing a Geico shirt. My husband used to work at Geico, but no longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, you know, pros and cons, I don't know. It's uh, My guess is that most businesses that are acronyms probably didn't start out that way. You know, America Online, they probably were like, that's our business name, America Online. And then we were all like, that's too much. We don't want to say America Online, so we're just going to call you AOL. I don't know for sure. It'd be interesting to go back and see like their very first marketing materials to see if it said AOL mm-hmm. or if it just said America Online. But I would imagine most businesses that are acronyms probably didn't start out that way. Like HP started out as Hewlett Packard and over time, you know, became HP. Um, I don't know. It's easier to say because yeah, absolutely. Still the best form of advertising is word of mouth. Yeah. So. And if you're, I don't know if you're if you're coming up with an acronym from the get go and you want that to be your business name. I guess I don't understand why. Like you, what you're doing is you're coming up with the business name and then shortening it down with the into an acronym. I don't know. And if if you can be clever about it, like I said, I like AIM because that that's an acronym that spells a word and it's one syllable to say it. So that was kind of a. I think I think that works. Mm. I'm trying to think of other examples of, um, you know, most people probably don't even know the Geico is actually an acronym because, again, it kind of s- spells a word. It's a made-up word, but it's like Geico. It's how many people know that's actually an acronym? I don't know. Well, now they know. <laughs> now you know. Speaking of creative spellings, <laughs> we weren't talking about that at all, but that is actually <laughs> that's, our ne- <laughs> that's our next category. Right. I have to think of ways to transition. Yeah. I'm terrible creative. at transitioning. So I'm going to cue the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> creative spelling. Um, so creative spelling is like um, the definition that it gives is altering the spelling of a relatively common word mm. as exemplified in names such as supply, but they spell it with a V, mm. and lift. 
Um, I can oh, also yeah. think of like, um, was it Tumblr? Which one did they Tumblr, just take the They e took out? a vowel out, yeah. Um, it's popular to replace S's with Z's. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think that can be. I think that can be um, kind of creative, kind of quirky. Um, to you know, it verbally it sounds like a real word, but then when you look at the spelling, you're like, oh, look what they did! Like lift, yeah. L-Y-F-T instead of L-I-F-T. I mean, well, and it was when it was first coming in to play. You know, now it's it's a good it's a good brand, and people know what you're talking about when you mm-hmm. say you're going to grab a lift. Although around here, I think they're most more likely to grab an Uber. Um, oh. But at any rate, um, before it became popular, maybe the mistake that people would have made if, if they, like, Google it, <laughs> um, they're going to spell it wrong. Yep. And, and unless, you know Lyft.com was already taken. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you've got a, some bomb SEO, you are really, you might really screw the pooch with this one. Yeah. So. It's already a risk um, that someone's going to misspell your business name. Google's pretty smart these days. Um, if and again, part of it, a lot of times people aren't searching for the business name anyways. They're searching for the industry or the product. You know, they might be searching for rideshare options where I live. And then Uber and Lyft are going to show up. Um, so there, there's, you know, it depends on on what you think your customers or potential customers are going to be doing. Um, if, if there's a good chance that they're going to be typing in your business name a lot, it's probably more important that things are spelled correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not worried about that, then I think it can just be a clever way. It's probably a necessity. Maybe they wanted to spell it the L-I-F-T, but L-I-F-T.com was already taken. So they threw a Y in there and, and got a domain name. Who knows? Like, there you go. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think overall it's a, it's a good idea. It's a way to stand out. I mean, it's a way to, to have an, a, a real word. Um, that's easy to remember. People can say it when they're telling their friends about it. Um, but visually, when you look at it, it just stands out a little bit. And it's kind of creative. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And last but not least, also added by Fabian, is the numeric category. and the like 7-Up, what yes. I'm drinking right now. Does that count? 7-Up, <laughs> yes. Um, the, uh, goodness, the number that he uses is Formula 409. Formula 409. Which is what we use in our bathtub. <laughs> yeah. Probably another Procter & Gamble product. Who knows? Probably. They know. seem to be everywhere. Maybe it's Johnson & Johnson, though. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not... I'd be curious to know why he added that to the list. I mean, it's... it's. I don't know. It's kind of like, who cares? Like, 409 probably has a meaning. Um, Formula 409 is probably some nerdy chemistry thing. Yeah. Well, so it says the story behind it, and that's that's what they're really talking about here, is the story behind it. Is that two scientists um, in Detroit tried 408 different formula versions that did uh, not work? This is the one that worked. And the 409th product was the one. Now that, that you worked. say that, I think I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I think it's a story that kind of flies around. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be curious as to why they named Seven Up. Seven Up. There's probably seven, maybe six of formula. some kind of ingredients. This we tried six sodas. And the seventh and one was the one that tasted blind good. Test, they sucked. The, it killed the, the mice in every ex- experiment. Oh my gosh! <laughs> this seventh one killed one. slightly less mice, so we're going to serve it to the public. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Seven Up is great. It is. Um, uh, yeah, that's. What are some other examples of numbers? Ah, uh, that's a good question. You know, off the top of my head, I don't know. It doesn't happen a lot. I mean, people aren't aren't. I was going to say Baskin Robbins, but no. No. 
<laughs> they have the flavor. Yeah, they have the fifty-six flavors or whatever. They have a number in their logo. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I. I mean. I'm still trying to figure out. Like, I'm just thinking of funny, um, just names in general that don't have to do with numbers around town. Well, there is there is one close to me. There's a restaurant called Bistro Three One Nine. Oh yeah, because we are in the Three One Nine area in code. The Three One Nine. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, so there is an ice cream shop, no numbers, but it's called Orange Leaf. Still trying to figure out what that has to do with ice cream. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm trying to think of if there's like numbers. numbers yeah. Numbers. 3M. 3M. I, I still don't know obviously what the there's, for. Yeah. Obviously there's, there's three words that start with M that have something to do with what they do. Don't know what those words are. Right. So if we do like creating a story between a word and a number can make your name more memorable. And that's what he put for a pro. For a con, um, it most likely, most of these cons come in the domain name, it seems. Um, And it's because putting numbers in your domain name is kind of domain suicide. Hmm. So These are things you didn't used to have to think about, you know, when Johnson & Johnson started 400 years ago, whatever. Like they, they didn't have to wonder like what's this going to look like in a my domain name. Soda. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! If Johnson and Johnson existed four hundred years ago, <laughs> or whatever, eighteen hundreds. That feels like four hundred years ago. Oh well, they should have existed better in eighteen hundreds. There was like crazy things happening four hundred years ago. My gosh, we could have staved off the plague or something. Seven um, Eleven. Wash your hands. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> We needed that. Uh, um, I can't even do this anymore. <laughs> I, I just did a Google search and 7-Eleven. I can't believe we didn't think of that. That's, That's their true. Whole, their whole business name is just two numbers, 7 and 11. Um, do you know the meaning behind that? Nope. I don't. Nope. They have, and their their logo has the number 7 and then the word 11 spelled out. So it's a number and a word. Oh. Yeah, I, I agree with him. I think his pros and cons there are pretty accurate. Um, you know, if I was going to... If I was going to try to go to 7-Eleven's website, I wouldn't know what to type. Would I type the number 7 and the number 11.com? I think or would you type I the type number it all 7 out? and the name 11. Right, which is what their logo looks like. Like who That would be my best guess. It would be confusing. Any domain name with a number, you have that you like You run that risk. Um 7up, you know, if I if you know, if I'm going to go to 7up, do I type out s e v e n u p.com? My guess is they probably own both the number and the word spelled out. But yeah, right. I can see where there there could be some confusion there with the domain name. Um, right. So when you are picking the name for your business, be intelligent about how you pick the name. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the most important characteristic from last week, I'm, I'm going to play a favorite right now, guys. Or, no, it's two weeks ago. Wow, I'm awake. <laughs> um, is that it's short and easy to pronounce, and also that it's readable, like mm-hmm. in a domain. <laughs> so, yep. so sometimes that's not always possible because we live in the dot com era, and there's lots of dot coms that are always taken. Mm-hmm. But if you make it simple to reach out with you, and that's that's the number one rule of business with doing business with others is make it simple yep. for people to do business with you, for people to connect. Right. Yep. Um. So, James, 
thank you for your insights <laughs> on name categories today. It was fun. Yes, it was. Yes, and we talked about our mutual disdain for Hewlett Packard and how long their name is. Yes. <laughs> if you're just tuning in today for the first time and you're you want to hear more about how to name your business, we actually talked about this, um, the eight characteristics of a great business name uh, in our last episode. So definitely check that out. Um, if you like what you are hearing, stop by and review us. Give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And um, consider doing an LAS Plus prescription. Prescription. <laughs> subscription. It's a good prescription, too. How, I mean, would I, how would I prescription to LAS? I'm just going to write you a prescription right now. <laughs> Is there like a website L- I could go to? LAS Plus, not the plus sign, <laughs> dot com. <laughs> LASpodcastnetwork.com slash plus. P-L-U-S. See, this is the importance. (laughs) So consider that subscription because that is my prescription for you. I have no authority to prescribe anything digitally. False. (laughs) This is Sarah Leisinger. And I'm James Wilbus. And this has been a load of BS. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.